0: I don't know if any of you can relate to what I'm going to say, but I find great tension in my soul when I sing that song. Because there's the part of me as a child of God, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that absolutely longs to experience faith without boundaries, a trust in my Savior that is so deep and real. But sometimes the journey to get there, And to navigate those waters can be scary, can be intimidating. But we know the truth. And we know that by His grace, He will enable us to journey to that place where we just sang about. Where we will have faith that is without borders, faith that is without boundaries. But I think it's always good to just pause and be real and be honest. It's not always easy. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about navigating turbulent waters. So let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, thank you again for the privilege that we have to be here. It's a gift that you've given us today to allow us to get up out of bed, to have air in our lungs, to come and gather with your family to worship you. Now, Lord, as we look into your word, I pray that you would teach us. Teach us how we are going to be able to endure stressful times, turbulent waters that you will permit us to go through. And at the end of the morning, I pray that we will realize what you permit us to go through is for our own good so that we will trust you even more. Strengthen us in our faith and in our confidence in who you are and what your plans are for our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you will remember back in 2013... Only five years after winning a gold medal for Canada in the Summer Olympic Games, my wife's youngest brother, Adam, decided to join three other endurance rowers in an attempt to be the first boat to ever row unassisted across the Atlantic Ocean. They were going to leave from Senegal, West Africa, and land in Miami, Florida. Crazy. So they launched their boat off the west coast of Africa, 29-foot rowboat and they launched it and for 73 days they experienced the Atlantic Ocean and what Adam discovered is it's very turbulent in fact only one week into their journey he recalls coming face to face with a wave that he described as being two houses high now put yourself in that situation you in a 29-foot rowboat in the Atlantic Ocean and you're facing a wave that is two houses high And this is what Adam's words were that morning. We were literally riding down the side of the face of the wave. The boat was starting to roll and the entire deck was flooding. Good news is they survived. But for 73 days, they rode 6,300 kilometers in the turbulent waters in the Atlantic Ocean. And if you were to ask Adam, how did you endure 73 days, 6,300 kilometers? I just started learning about the rowing machine at the gym this week, and after twice, I'm done. <laughs> and the reason is it was hurting my elbow. So the thing I didn't even need to lose weight on was being hurt, so I'm done rowing. So, but how did he endure 73 days, 6,300 kilometers on the water? Well, I texted him that question this week. And here's what his response was. He says, Calvin, to be honest with you, we were able to endure those 73 days in that turbulent water because of our sea anchor. It was our sea anchor. Now, a sea anchor that was on their boat is different than the anchor you and I are used to seeing, the iron anchor that you'd have if you go canoeing. A sea anchor is actually a parachute that drags behind the boat under the water, But listen to what the sea anchor does. The sea anchor aligns the bow of the boat to face head-on the wind and the wave patterns. You see, it's not an anchor like I'm used to when I go canoeing that I want to just drop it and I want to stay still. No, a sea anchor is to enable you to cut through the top of the waves and to keep going and avoid disaster. Well, what happened to them? One day, they hit a rogue wave. Rogue wave meaning it came from the side. And north of Puerto Rico, 700 kilometers short of Miami, they capsized and had to be rescued by Navy SEALs. Ah, don't worry. He's making a lot of money off of this story and the book he's written, Okay, Don't feel bad for Adam, all right? But isn't it true there are times, maybe you're experiencing it right now, where our lives, the ups and downs, feel like we're riding on the ocean. You see, no matter how young or how old you are, we are all going to face moments and perhaps even seasons in our lives where we find ourselves in the midst of turbulent, unsettled waters, stressful times. And in those times, we need an anchor that will help us not just stay still, but be able to face the storms head-on and navigate through the turbulent waters. Amen? So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 45. I'm going to read through to verse 52. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. This boat trip that we just read about occurs right after Jesus has just performed his greatest miracle, which we looked at last week the feeding of the 5,000 men, plus women and children, from only five barley loaves and two fish. And there was even leftovers, my favorite part of every meal. Twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And in my humble opinion, the only thing that was missing from that meal was a little bowl of gravy to dip the bread in afterwards. But what an incredible experience. Can you imagine being there that afternoon for all those who are in attendance on the green grass to see that many people fed from five loaves and two fish? And then here we see in verse 45, the sudden shift. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead without him. Have you ever experienced times in your life where the Lord suddenly changes your schedule without much notice? In fact, this week I'm aware of many people, including someone from our own church, who were planning to go visit family but couldn't go because of the situation in Hong Kong at the airport. I only found out on uh, Thursday night, in fact, that my brother was on the last flight out of that airport this week. Unexpected changes in our schedule, in our plans. Well, knowing that the disciples were ordinary people just like you and just like me, I think it would be safe to say this morning that they were asking probably the most common question that all of us ask when things suddenly change in our lives that don't make any sense. And they were asking, Why? Why? Firstly, why the rush? Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, the Bible says. Why the rush? Why the sudden sense of urgency on Jesus' part to redirect his disciples? After seeing him perform a miracle that impacted so many people at one time, that left all the people fed, satisfied, including themselves, and here suddenly he makes them. One translation says he forced them into the boat to go on ahead and tells them, go on without me. I mean, they didn't even get a chance to lounge around after their meal and relax on the green grass. That's one of my favorite things to do. I don't know about you, but ever since I've been a kid, I enjoy sitting around the dining room table after a meal. Hanging out with family, sharing stories with friends and enjoying each other's company and having good laughs. As I thought about that this week, the only thing that has changed since I was a kid is when I was a kid, I would often fall asleep at the table because I didn't want to miss out on any of the stories. Didn't want to miss out. Well, my kids will tell you now that I'm older and wiser, I excuse myself to the couch. (laughs) After my famous words, just give me five minutes and I'll be back to help clean up. Mark doesn't mention when we read the text, why the sudden rush? Why the rush? He doesn't mention it. And often isn't that the case in our own experiences when God suddenly redirects us, changes our schedule? Often we don't immediately know why. We don't know why and it's not often until later that we are able to look back and be able to go, Ah, I now see what God was up to. But turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 14 and verse 15. And we'll see in John's account of the same event, he gives us a clue as to why the rush. John chapter 6, verse 14. Here's what the scripture says After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. They were actually repeating the words of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where Moses said to God's people at that time, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. They said, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. You see, the crowd Jesus had just fed was waiting for a deliverer like Moses. One who would take care of their physical needs just like Moses did for God's people in the wilderness by providing food and water for them. They were waiting for a deliverer like Moses who would free them from Roman oppression just as Moses did for God's people under Egyptian oppression. So when they witnessed Jesus' incredible power and his ability to miraculously feed them, satisfy their hunger, listen very closely, they became very enthusiastic about Jesus because his abilities lined up with their expectations and what they wanted the Messiah to do for them. They got very excited when they saw what Jesus had done because his abilities lined up with their expectations and what they wanted the Messiah to come and do for them. And if you read in chapter 15, verse 15 of chapter 6, they intended to make him king by force. And Jesus, knowing their intention to make him king by force, does what? Back to our text immediately puts his disciples in a boat, forces them to get in the boat and to go on ahead without him while he dismissed the crowd. You see, in the midst of the enthusiasm swelling up among the people to crown Jesus as their political king, their earthly king, one who would lead them in a revolution against the Roman oppression, look what Jesus does. He intentionally redirects his disciples. And how does he do it? He separates them. He separates them to protect them. They did not know it at that point. And often when we are faced with turbulent waters, asking why in the moment, we often don't know why. But we know we serve a good, good father. He did it to protect them. He wanted to protect them from getting caught up in this misguided enthusiasm surrounding who people thought he was, and what they presumed his ultimate mission in coming to earth really was. You see, Jesus knew his disciples. They were still vulnerable. Even though they had experienced and witnessed his divine power over elements, we've looked through the book of Mark, over nature, over the spirit world, over sickness, even over death, they still did not fully grasp who they had actually been traveling with, that it was God. God himself come to earth to be among them in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So in order to protect them from being negatively influenced by the crowd, he separates them because they needed to learn an important lesson, one which I, one which you need to be reminded of regularly, especially when we find ourselves in the middle of turbulent waters, in the middle of stressful times. And listen closely. This is the lesson we need to learn The top priority of Jesus' mission in coming to us was to meet our spiritual need. Not simply to take care of our temporary physical needs. That's what they needed to learn. Oh yes, he does provide for our daily needs because we know he is a good shepherd. But his first priority for you and I has and always will be for our eternal spiritual well-being. He did not come to establish a political kingdom like the crowd wanted him to. Rather, he came in to usher in the kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of God in people's hearts. Oh, yes, he came to bring in a new order of peace that could be experienced by individuals in that crowd. But it was not going to come through rebellion and revolt. It was going to come through repentance. See, and the danger is when we find ourselves in the midst of turbulent waters, my temptation, maybe your temptation, like the crowd, is to create our own agenda and expectations of Christ rather than trust His agenda and His priority for us. It's not easy. His top priority is our eternal spiritual well-being. And we know And can take comfort in the fact that because he rose from the grave, he has also taken care of our eternal physical well-being. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I read, the Bible tells us that we will all be changed. And our perishable bodies will be clothed with the imperishable. Our mortal bodies will be clothed with immortality. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things will have passed away. So what do we do then in those temporary moments of turbulent water when we find ourselves confused and asking why? Separate yourself from the crowd. Separate yourself from the crowd. Find time to be alone with God. Because we need to reorient our thinking and align our expectations of our Lord with His agenda And with his priorities. I mean, we see in this passage, even Jesus, the very son of God, put this into practice. Verse 46, it says, leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Three times in the gospel of Mark, you will find Jesus withdrawing, separating himself from the crowd to pray. Why? Because each time he was facing a crisis. And in this circumstance, the crisis, I believe, was threefold. He had just recently received news of John the Baptist's assassination and was in distress. And just like you and I, he needed time alone with his heavenly Father to receive comfort. Secondly, though, I believe in light of the people's enthusiastic agenda for him, he needed to be in prayer alone with his Father so that he would be faithful to remain in the Father's will. Listen to what he said in John 6, 38. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And thirdly, why did he withdraw to separate? I believe as others do that he was praying for his disciples and for their faith that were out on the boat. He wanted them, the Father, to open up their eyes as we were singing this morning to understand who he was. And he wanted them to be strengthened in their faith and to understand what his primary purpose in coming really was. You see, nothing that happens to us is without divine purpose. And all will be made plain and vindicated in eternity. But, brothers and sisters, I am learning this lesson as I journey through suffering and as I journey through turbulent waters. My understanding of the eternal purposes of Christ for my life is transforming my attitude and my perspective in turbulent times. Here's the question I've been wrestling with. Will I, will you be satisfied with his top priority for us being our eternal spiritual well-being? Are we satisfied with his top priority for us? Because here's what I'm learning. If I am not, I will find myself often disappointed with Jesus in the midst of temporary turbulent times. That is why it's so important that we regularly take time alone as individuals with God to align our expectations of him with his agenda and his priorities for us. So why the rush? He wanted to reveal his agenda and his top priority for them. Second question I see in this story that we've read this morning. Why the struggle? Ever wondered that? Why the struggle? Later that night, verse 47 says, the boat was in the middle of the lake. That's not a good thing. And he was alone on the land. That's even worse. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Brothers and sisters, following Christ's commands does not mean it will always be smooth sailing. Does not mean it will always be smooth sailing. I mean, here the disciples are, after obeying his command with no sign of resistance, there was no squabble on the shore. When he said he made them get in the boat, they got in the boat. There was no sign of resistance. And here they find themselves in being obedient to their master, out again on the water, battling the elements of nature. Strong winds waves beating against their boat. And this time Jesus is not even in the boat with them. I mean, even though he was in the boat last time, he was sleeping. At least he was in the boat with them. But the scripture says he is alone on the land. And it was common for boats like the disciples were traveling in that evening to usually travel about one to two miles offshore. And here, in spite of their best rowing efforts... Straining at the oars, they find themselves in the middle of the lake, fighting strong winds head on. Have you ever faced on the water strong winds before? I have. I enjoy canoeing. I enjoy the outdoors. And there's one lake up in Algonquin we used to go fish brook trout in the spring. And you would come around this point, and as soon as you come around this point, you just knew, here we go. And the wind would just be pounding you. Last weekend, I saw a funny situation at at our farm. There's a little lake there, actually named Caulfield Lake. You can look at it on the map. I'm not lying to you. And uh, as we were about to leave, we were having our final swim because it's just so refreshing. And this family came to the little public beach that's beside us, and they were so excited because they bought these big new inflatable flamingos and a unicorn, I think it was. Problem is, I heard they also have a dog named Rocky. You combine inflatables with dogs you're going to have a problem. And I said to Jen, I said, this isn't going to take long. And it was a windy day. I said, this isn't going to take long. That dog's going to puncture those while that kid's sitting in it. Sure enough, not even 30 seconds, the girl was so excited. Yo, yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. Woo, woo, woo. Shh. Rocky punctured the flamingo. All of a sudden, I'm standing in front of our cottage. I see the pink flamingo with the little girl in it heading down this way, because it was a strong word. She bailed, which was the right thing to do, but decided she'll swim after it because she'll catch up. Well, no, she just treaded water while this pink flamingo kept going. And then all of a sudden I look out, and I won't mention any names to keep the uh, innocence of those involved, but all of a sudden I saw my daughter was launched in a canoe to go and rescue pink flamingo. And I went, this is not going to work out. She's in a long canoe. If you've ever canoed and you don't know how to canoe properly, on your own in a canoe, there's a certain way you've got to sit. Well, she wasn't sitting like that, and it was basically like this. And the, and the wind was doing this. And I wish I would recorded it. I give credit to my daughter. She was determined. She rescued Pink Flamingo, but she was battling against that wind, and the fr- it was just going like this, and she was not making any ground at all. Ever felt like that? You're in situations where you're just, it's just like this, and you're not making any. Oh, you're straining at the oars. You're giving your best effort, but you're going nowhere. There was times on Adam's trip, we followed him through a satellite map when he was on his trip across the Atlantic, and we would see, and I'd say to Jen, how was Adam's day? And she said, they rode all day, and they went nowhere. The strong winds rode all day and went nowhere. And oftentimes, that is how we feel. Had the disciples left at dusk, which is likely the time when Jesus launched them out, they would have been struggling in these conditions for up to nine hours. That's why I've stopped rowing. Nine hours. I have been in situations, I know you have been in situations because we've shared together, where you just are trying to keep your head above water in the midst of stressful times wondering, is it ever going to stop? When is this going to let up? Well, I have good news for you today. Although following Christ's commands does not mean it will always be smooth sailing, what we do gain, what I am gaining in my journey as maturing as a disciple of Jesus Christ is the confidence to know that you and I, while we strain, have the full attention of Almighty God. We have the full attention of Almighty God. I love how Mark in this passage describes Christ's all-encompassing care. Notice four things beginning in verse 48. He saw them. Even though they were separated from him, the scriptures say he saw the disciples straining at the oars. Because he is all-knowing and because he is all-powerful. He was able to supernaturally see through the darkness his disciples straining. Brothers and sisters, he sees you this morning, and he knows how you are straining. He went out to them, verse 48 in the second section. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Other translations say at about the fourth watch, which is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So that's how writers have determined they were probably rowing for nine hours. If they had left at 6 p.m. the night before till 3 p.m., they'd been rowing for nine hours. He went out. Out to them. What does that tell you about Jesus? He is a rescuing God. And he initiates our rescue and meets us where we are at. He came to them during the darkness. He came to them when they're in the most trouble in the deepest part of the lake. And then what does he do? He speaks to them. He saw them. He came to them. He speaks to them. And he eventually gets in the boat with them and takes them safely to the other side. What a beautiful picture of the all-encompassing care of our Savior. But it is good for us to not miss the fact that just as Jesus did not immediately feed the 5,000 men plus women and children that afternoon, but rather first taught them many things, So in this incident, he does not also immediately rescue his disciples from their predicament. In fact, it wasn't until he got in the boat with them that the wind stopped. They still had to keep rowing, but he enabled them to have the power to cross the lake that night just like the power to cross the sea of life that you and I are on and reach our final destination, is not ours. It belongs to God. Therefore, in the midst of turbulent waters, here's what we need to learn. We needed to learn, and I think it was even in one of the last verses of the course we sang, to rest in the knowledge. And listen how Psalms 121 describes it. That he who watches over us will not let our foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. Brothers and sisters, in turbulent times, we can trust in the all-encompassing care of Christ, but this will require us to have faith in God's work beyond the boundaries of this life. Why the struggle to reveal to them and to us His all encompassing care. He sees you, he will come to you, he will speak to you, and he will be with you. Finally, the last question, why the walk? Why the walk? There was one more thing Jesus wanted his disciples to understand that early morning. That was of most importance. In fact, it is why he came to them walking on the water. You see, for Jesus, there was so much more to this account than simply rescuing His disciples from the sea. Yes, they were tired. Yes, they were frustrated. But they were not in peril like they were in the previous storm in chapter 4 where it says the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So what was this all about? The rush, the struggle, and now the walk. Jesus' motivation for coming to His disciples that morning in this most amazing way walking on the choppy, turbulent water. Sometimes, Pastor Mark helped me this week as I was sharing with him what the Lord's saying in my heart. We often think of water like the calendar pictures we see of the Muskokas, glass. No, picture this. Jesus is coming to them, walking on the turbulent waters, wind blowing, head on, waves going up and down, and here he is coming to them, walking in this most amazing way. Why? so they could ultimately understand who was actually with them. Only a divine being could do what he was doing. Be honest, put your hand up. How many of you were kids when you had a swimming pool tried to be like Jesus and walk on the water? You All liars. I remember doing it. Not only that, we used to have great baptismal services in our pool as kids. Okay, I'm the pastor today. No, you're the pastor. But sure enough, somewhere along the line, someone would say, let's try walking on the water. Let's try walking on the water. Only a divine being could do what he was doing, and he was not even hampered by the winds or the waves. In fact, he was making better time walking on the water than 12 guys rowing in a boat that night. Why? He wanted his disciples that day. He wanted the believers under Roman oppression whom Mark was addressing. And he wanted all followers of him in the future, that's you and that's me, to see, to have our eyes opened in wonder to his transcendent majesty and his divine power so that we would be reassured in our faith in the midst of turbulent times to recognize who is actually with us, helping us navigate these turbulent waters. He was not simply a successor to Moses, another prophet who would fill baskets with bread. He was God himself. And only God can walk on the sea that he created and rules over. This revelation was of enormous significance to Mark. You see, what the disciples were privileged to see that morning was a surprise self-disclosure of Jesus' deity defying nature on the water was not simply to amaze them with his power. It was to help them understand that God himself was with them in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Almighty God got in the boat with them during the storm. Here's what I take from that. Today, that same God The most high God, creator God, ruler over all things, the everlasting God, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God, the God who is always there is even closer than just being in our boat in the midst of stressful times. He actually lives and dwells in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Jesus could do what no human could do because he was God. And ultimately, He came to do what no human could do, and that is redeem you and I from the ultimate turbulent waters of bondage to our sin. That is why He came. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He is coming to you this morning and speaking to you through His Word to rescue you from your despair and to give you hope, and to give you assurance to the presence of His Holy Spirit that you also can walk with Almighty God on your journey. And at the end of the service, we would love the opportunity to talk to you. If you do not know Jesus, we would love to introduce you to our amazing Savior, the Son of God. Note their response when He came walking to them. When they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Before we're too, too quick to judge them for their response, we need to cut the disciples a little bit of slack here. Because what they saw was humanly impossible they saw someone walking on the water. Combine that with the exhaustion of straining at the oars for nine hours. And then add on top of that the common Jewish superstition that they had been raised with. That is why they responded in terror. See, common Jewish superstition held that the appearance of spirits, especially during the night... And especially on water meant that disaster was imminent so they saw something that was completely not possible they were exhausted and what they saw they remembered from what they'd been taught as a child meant we're in trouble so at the peak of their struggle exhausted from fighting the wind and terrified by possibly what's going to happen based on what they just see, I love what Scripture says. Immediately, he spoke to them. Immediately, he forced them in the boat. And at the peak of their struggle against turbulent waters that night, when they were most afraid, in the deepest part of the lake, darkest part of the night, it says he immediately spoke to them. And look what he says. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. At the end of our service, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to what Jesus has revealed to you today through his word. Because in this congregation this morning, you might be in unsettled waters, you might be facing turbulent waters, and you're anxious. You might even be terrified. I'm going to give you the opportunity at the end of the service to respond and to be prayed for. Because he wants you to know today, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. He saw their struggle. He came to them in this most miraculous way, walking on the water. Now he's speaking to them. But notice, their situation has not changed a bit. They're still fighting the wind. They're still fighting the waves. When he tells them to take courage, to be brave, keep your hands on the oars and keep rowing, nothing in their physical situation had changed until he got in the boat. In the middle of your turbulent situation, he will enable you to keep going because it is i literally i am is with you how he identified himself to them that day on the water is so significant he greets them using the same phrase that god used to reveal himself to moses in exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 here on the water is christ revealing to his disciples who he actually is and who is actually with them it is god in the flesh They have been summoned by Jesus, who is God, to pass through the waters and to be brave because I am is with you. Therefore, don't be afraid. And to close his case on who he actually is, he climbs in the boat with them. And this time, without saying a word, again displays his divine power simply by his presence. The scripture says, the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. What a change from crying out in terror to completely amazed. Although they did not realize, based on verse 52, we read who He actually was after the feeding of the 5,000, it tells us their hearts were hardened. But in Matthew's account of this same event, he indicates this time they got it. They got it. Listen to what Matthew says in his account of this event in chapter 15. The wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Their eyes were opened, their hearts were softened. His prayer that he had prayed on the mountainside when he launched them out had been answered. You see, brothers and sisters, realizing who is actually with us in the stressful times we are facing makes all the difference and will help you and will help me to be brave and to not be afraid. So how are you going to face the turbulent waters you are currently going through or you more than likely will go through. Take time to regularly align your expectations of Jesus with his agenda and his priorities for us. Learn to rest and be confident in his all-encompassing care. And let us continually remind ourselves and each other. That's why it's so important that we gather together. That's why it's so important that we gather together, not only corporately, but even in small groups. So that we will continually remind each other in the midst of the storm who is actually with us. If we will remember who is with us, if we will remember his agenda and his priority for us, if we will embrace and rest in his care, those three truths will serve us well as a spiritual anchor in the midst of turbulent times. So as we conclude our service this morning, we are going to sing a song that says, Christ is enough for me. I have to ask myself that question honestly when I go through times that I don't understand, that I don't like. Is He really enough? Am I satisfied with the fact that He has taken care of my eternal spiritual well-being? Even though not all my temporary physical needs might be met, I know in eternity they are all met, both spiritual and physical. Am I satisfied with that? Perhaps you're here this morning, and you are facing turbulent waters, and you are anxious. As we sing this song, I would encourage you to take a step of faith. Step out of your row. Join me here at the front. I am with you on this journey as well to better understand these three key truths that will help me through turbulent waters. But take a step of faith and sing the song as a commitment to what you are asking the Holy Spirit to help you believe and put in practice. And we're going to close our service this morning with a special prayer for anyone here this morning that is navigating turbulent waters. And you need your faith to be strengthened. You don't want to be afraid. You want to be brave. And we're going to pray together that God will give us the strength to do just that. You come as we sing this morning, and we're going to close our service in that way. I thank God that he enabled the disciples that day to not resist and to get in the boat, to follow his command. Because we have been blessed to learn these three important truths that will serve you well as a spiritual anchor through your turbulent waters. Adam's parachute didn't arrive him safely in Miami. But brothers and sisters here at the front, he who watches over you does not slumber. And he will carry you safely to the destination that he has planned. He has an agenda for you. He has a priority for you. He wants you to know His all-encompassing care. And He wants you to be reminded this morning who is actually with you. Creator God, Almighty, Ruler over all things, is with you through the presence of His Holy Spirit. One thing I love about this story, the 12 were together. And then Jesus joined them. I think that's important to understand. We don't follow Jesus alone. He places us in a family of brothers and sisters. And so you need to understand, those of you here at the front today facing turbulent times, we are with you. We are together. And we will journey together relying on Jesus who is our ultimate safe anchor. So congregation, I ask that you would join me as we pray specifically for these individuals that God will be gracious to them God will be merciful to them. And they will experience who Jesus really is and know who he really is together with us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning humbly realizing our complete dependence on you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you for touching the hearts of these individuals today to step out in faith and to acknowledge publicly before their brothers and sisters. But ultimately before you, you know what they're going through, Father. You have permitted what they're going through. And God, I ask that you would be gracious and merciful to these people. I thank you, based on your word, that you see what they're going through. You know what they're going through. You have come to them this morning through your word and spoken to them through your word. Oh God may they leave today encouraged to know and understand who is with them. Father because you are able and because you are the only one who is able to do anything, nothing is impossible for you. Our desire is that you would calm the waters that these people are traveling through right now. You can stop them, Lord, because you are able to. But as we learned today, we also understand you are sovereign. And sometimes your purposes in the moment we don't understand. But we know that everything you do is for our ultimate good. So God, we commit them to your amazing, all-encompassing care. Our desire is that you would stop the wind. And until you choose to stop it, would you give them the ability as you did the disciples that night to keep their hands on the oars and to keep rowing. But row with a new understanding and a fresh look. New perspective, new attitude, understanding your eternal purposes for our lives. We love you. And thank you that we do not have to navigate the waters on our own. Go with us now through this day Help us to rejoice in what we've heard this morning and continue to help us to learn and to understand. Because, Lord, sometimes your ways are not our ways and it's hard. But thank you for the reassurance you've given to us this morning through this passage of Scripture in Mark. And we pray this all in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.